0: My name is Ben Beard and I own Redcliffe Homes in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I'm searching for the top tips and tricks of the trade from experts in the construction industry. Welcome to the Ben Beard show. Our guests today are Laura McCambridge. And Kimberly Rinky with Spire Design Studio in Denver, Colorado. Laura and Kimberly, welcome to the show today. Thank, Thank you. you so
1: much. Thank Glad you. To be here,
0: ben. Yeah, excited to have both of you on the show and to hear more about your stories and your, your backgrounds. So, Laura, if you want to tell me a little bit about yourself first and your background, how you got into the industry.
1: So, I am the director of design here at Spire Design Studio. Uh, I've been in the interior design field for over 25 years worked with numerous home builders nationwide, um, completing models from studio apartments to multi-million dollar semi-custom homes. Um, I've also had the opportunity to gain additional residential and commercial experience over the past several years. Uh, We do a lot in the multifamily realm. Um, And personally I like my family time and maybe catching a good flick and watching my, my Denver Broncos.
0: Awesome. How about you, Kimberly?
2: So my name is Kimberly Rinke and I am the um, president CEO of Spire Design and Construction. We started the the company 13 years ago and started out doing just design and within two years realized that um, we just had a great passion for the construction side as well. And it kind of went hand in hand with the design. So we brought the construction in-house and, and never looked back. Um, I, I work 24-7 because my, my professional life is my, my life. It's my hobby, and it's what I enjoy most in life. Um, on a personal side, I have two wonderful children that are now living on their own, and I just soak up all the, the time that I can get um, with them and love being in Denver, we work on a national level, and um, it's a lot of fun.
0: That's great. So you, you two are, are partners and started the business together 13 years ago.
2: No, no, I I started it solely myself, and okay. Laura's been with us now. We actually worked with another um, design firm, Laura and I did, for for over 20 years together, and then I actually 13 years ago went out on my own, and then she okay. she joined our firm. Um, two a and a half years mm-hmm. yeah two and a half years ago
0: so okay so your name spire design studio sounds like just design but now you're you've gotten involved in the construction as well
2: yes we do we have the construction in house prior to having the construction we did primarily just the design and um, early in the, when we first started in the business, I partnered with two wonderful construction companies, and many of our clients said, you know, why don't you do this in-house and offer the construction services as a turnkey firm? Mm-hmm. So I thought, let's try and see, and, and um, it was a wonderful fit for our team. Um, it allowed us to offer better pricing and to really have better control over the scheduling as well. And it's we have a a great president of our construction division. His name is Jason Polston, and he heads up that division for us.
0: And when you say you work at a national level, what does that mean? You're designing stuff outside of just the local Denver area.
2: We do. We've done projects from Hawaii to New York, so single family <clears throat> as well as multifamily.
0: And what I guess what's your specialty, or what is, what makes your, your business different than than another. Interior design firm? The
2: fact that we offer services in house. So we are, as I stated, more turnkey. We offer the design and the construction. It makes it easier for our clients to sign one contract, work with one team. Um, We also offer signage and flooring. We have two additional divisions within our company. Um, The signage with multifamily projects, a lot of times when we would go in and update the clubhouses, um, for multifamily, the signage was overlooked and we thought that's, you know, that's another area that we could bring in house and update the signage and really make a difference. Not only monument signs, but as as um, well as directional interior and exterior signage.
0: Okay. So kind of the, the small elevators this way signs and the, the bigger like welcome to our community kind of signs. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And then you, so you do your own flooring as well as general construction in-house. Correct. Cool. Yes. And do you guys do does design from from Hawaii to New York or you do construction also from Hawaii to New York?
2: Both. Okay. Both. Yes, we do. We we actually completed two large construction and design um, projects in Hawaii last year and um it was, it, it was a really fun project and I want to go back. So we have a client that owns several properties in um, Maui. So we're hoping to go back next year to do another project for him.
0: Okay. Well, so Kimberly, I'll start with you this time. How did you first get into interior design and, and construction?
2: Um, growing up, I always wanted to do design. Um, just, I remember as a, a, a small child going into different spaces, thinking, the psychology behind design and how you feel when you how you react when you enter a space spoke to me and when I moved to Colorado in 89 the one of the first jobs that I got or the first job that I got was with another um, prestigious design firm which is where Laura and I met and I worked there for 21 years and um just much like Laura, it was just something that you knew you wanted to do. My, both of my parents were entrepreneurs and my father actually was in construction. So growing up and watching him was always inspirational to me and just learning little things that you pick up, um, going through life from your parents is amazing. And, um, just a lot of their inspiration really stuck, stuck with me throughout my childhood and adult life. Okay.
0: So it's funny because that's a common theme I see among guests is that they are, you know, grow up, their dad's a contractor or involved in the construction industry. And a lot of them end up, you know, going out to the job sites with their dads all the time as a kid is, was that your experience growing up as well?
2: It was. And I remember when he built our house actually, and being, going and visiting the site and, and just the experience of, of watching him and, and yes, I was a female. So, and he, he always gave me the opportunity to step forward and ask questions that I could learn from. Even, I, I think I was 12 years old at the time, but I just, I remember being intrigued with, with what he was doing and having that role model was hugely important yeah. and carrying that into my adult life.
0: That's neat. That's always, uh, I, I didn't grow up with parents in construction and, and so to Theole. To hear those stories always makes me think, oh, that's so cool to, to be able to have that growing up. And, you know, to the extent that I want to give that to my kids and how, how much and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interesting.
1: I think I was very much the same. <clears throat> my dad was an engineer and I remember going, uh, to his office over the weekends and seeing all of the, at the time, <laughs> all of the hand, uh, hand drafting desks and, mm-hmm. um, just kind of thought that I would be there one day um, and you know, had taken interior design and mechanical drafting and all of that in high school. and But really, as a, as a young kid, knowing it was just, I think it was just in my blood, knowing it was something that I wanted to do and mm-hmm. move forward with. And like I said, having taken those courses in high school and then going into um, right into college and, and, you know, here we are. 25 years later and, and still still loving what I do. Yeah, that's great.
0: Were you, you mentioned some drafting classes, were you able to take hands-on kind of construction skill trade classes in high school as well? Uh,
1: not so much in high school, but in college, uh, absolutely, it was the Colorado Institute of Art here in Denver. Okay. And I guess what I really liked about it was it was focused on design. Um, you know, of course you would have a few general math classes things like that but uh, we had hand drafting we had retail design we had residential design um, construction document classes uh, we also had model building courses so it really was geared cool. every it was cool at every aspect of it was geared towards uh, your degree so
0: yeah it was
1: That's a great cool. experience
0: yeah so I wanted to ask about your uh, I guess, business relationship, Laura, you're the head designer and, and Kimberly, you're the, the president CEO. So how does that, how do you kind of balance that out? Are Kimberly, are you still involved in, in day-to-day design work or just kind of on the bigger projects? How does that all work?
2: Um, I do, but it is just because that is my passion and what I enjoy. Um, but Laura is really the, she's the magic, if you will, and she oversees our design department. Um, occasionally they come to me for input to say, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And I do give my input, but I, I lean a lot on her as well as Jason who heads up the construction. And I, I oversee more of the day-to-day business aspect, which is nice early on. When I first went into business, you know, I, I did it all. And so having our team now, um, we have a, we're a smaller firm. We have a team of 16, having our teams in place to, you know, to handle the different divisions. I also enjoy the client uh, relationship aspect. So doing marketing and, and just staying in contact with our clients. I'm very
1: passionate about as well. Cool. Certainly wear multiple hats every day. Yeah, we, we all do. You <laughs> know what that's do. like, then
2: I'm certain it is, yep. you know, it's challenging at times, but it does drive us, doesn't it? And it's, um, it's very rewarding. Yeah
0: as a as a home builder if I would call you and say hey I'm I'm wanting some help to design new a new model for my for my new subdivision you know obviously I, w- I wouldn't want to hire you guys to build the home that's my job um, what is it what does that process look like as, as a home builder?
1: Uh, as far as the model home merchandising we what we would do is um, well first let me say we would love to partner with you uh, on that aspect. And and secondly, we would have you forward us uh, the floor plans to the models that you were looking to do. Uh, We basically start with spec selections, which would be countertops, uh, cabinets, tiles, flooring, every aspect of it. Mm. Um, Drawing out, doing any of the tile details, uh, things like that. We space plan everything and uh, you know, all of the FF&E selections. Um, and we would obviously have a presentation with you and go through color schemes, things like that. And we actually also do the installs. So um, I don't know if I'm getting too detailed with the process of it, but we would ship everything out to a local warehouse that would be in your area. And then we fly out and put everything together for you. And and a complete. Yeah.
2: And Ben, let me also add to that. First, what we would do is understand your demographic and who your home buyers are, so that we can design the home according to what it you know what attracts your buyer. So having sure. that clear understanding.
0: Okay. So what is that's a great point um, because you know I I'm a more of a first time or or second time home buyer um, is is my primary customer. Um, so I, I'm not necessarily looking for, and I don't even know the right brands to say, I'll I'll say like, you know, I don't want to put a Louis Vuitton couch in my house, even though everybody might think that's cool, but that's not necessarily what the home buyer, my home buyer is going to be shopping for. So how do you balance? Um, and I know you guys go from kind of first time home buyers all the way up through, through high-end luxury. So that's, you probably have different ways of dealing with it at different levels, but how do you deal with the um, you know, aspirational. I want to make it look really nice, but also not make it look totally out of reach for the for the potential home buyer.
1: I think uh, again, as Kim had mentioned, looking at the demographics with um, with first time home buyers, you might have a merchandise. Um, you might have a second bedroom that would be merchandised as a as a study or workspace, or maybe it's, it's even a nursery, you know, a young child, uh, something Mm -hmm. like that. So we definitely do consider uh, the demographics. Um, And typically what we would do is, is work uh, within a a budget uh, with you and, um, and make, you know, all of the selections that we need to, uh, to really create your focal walls and memory points, memory points. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Makes sense.
0: How do you, and I don't want to give away your secret sauce here, but uh, how do you kind of work with a client to determine a budget? For example, I'm, I've got a new model home that we're staging right now, and we need to, we're need we paying an outside firm to do most of the house, but we've got to do a couple of, of bedrooms we're going to use as offices uh, for staff. And so I, I signed that to a team member and said, okay, go do this, create a budget for me. And they're like, well, what's the budget? I don't know. You tell me, I have no idea what... Desks and I mean I kind of know, but I don't really know what desks and office chairs and stuff like that look like. So how do you work with a client to to define that budget?
2: I can answer that, Ben. It does vary depending on um, the scale of the project. I would say it would start at 24 a square foot, up to 27 to 28 a square foot, depending on the area. Um, the other thing that a, a lot of our clients have done in the past is if the budget doesn't allow to merchandise the full model unit, then we can do we can um, merchandise as vignettes, meaning we'll go in and furnish the main rooms, the master bedroom, the living room and maybe the kitchen. and that mm-hmm. just gives the buyer an opportunity to walk through and see the furniture in place and help sell the dream and the other rooms would be would be vacant. but it does it does add, um, the spice, if you will, and it, it intrigues, and it, having those memory points like the wall mural and, and speaking to the buyer um, adds a lot of value.
0: Yeah, it's a, The home we're doing is a four-bedroom house, and we're going to end up taking two of those bedrooms as, a, as different offices, one a sales office, one a, a marketing slash construction office, non-bedroom spaces, which in a COVID world, I guess bedroom and, and non-bedroom is is kind of rolled into one these days. But uh, knowing that we've got you know one of the regular guest bedrooms is going to be staged as an actual bedroom, uh, you know, people can kind of take that and extrapolate to what the other rooms are going to look like.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So, okay. So you said twenty four to forty five dollars a square foot. It's oh no, a... twenty
2: four to twenty
0: eight. Oh, 24 That's... to twenty eight. Ooh, that foot. makes me feel better. <laughs>
2: that's 24 an to 28.
0: Average. And yes. that, it, it, does that come from somewhere or just kind of based on historical data? That's what you know.
2: Historical. And that's kind of where our, our pricing falls. Okay. Now, there are design firms that we know that do charge 45 a square foot, but we, we do not. We like to partner in and, you know, have the relationships with builders for years to come. So it's a partnership for us.
0: Perfect. Well, now I'm going to have to go back and look at what we've, what we've spent so far on these couple of offices and see if we stuck within that range or not. Yes. Well, So Kimberly, you started the business about 13 years ago? Correct. What were some of the biggest challenges that you went through in getting the business started?
2: I started in 2010 and it was challenging in the fact that I was with another firm for almost 21 years and um, my family and different industry friends at the time thought I was a little crazy for leaving a firm after being with them for so many years and secure um, but I thought, you know, if I don't try, will I ever know? And having the inspiration from my parents and just pushing yourself, but I will say it, it was challenging because if you remember in 2009, 2010, the economy was in the tank.
0: And yeah, so I was going um, to say, that's an interesting, uh, I can see why they might've questioned just based on yes, that timing.
2: Sure. Right. So that, you know, a lot of builders weren't doing much at that time. And um, we, we actually started doing more multifamily apartment communities because they, they were busy in 2009-2010, so rehabbing um, clubhouses and leasing centers and, and doing their model projects, and then from there it just grew. The construction was, in the beginning, difficult because I am a female. Um, and, you know, that the construction has always historically been a man's world. And so, again, I'm, I just, I, I remember my father just pushing me. And if you put your mind to it, you can, you can achieve anything if you want it bad enough. And so um, bringing Jason Polston in was um, a godsend. And he he's an amazing staff member for our company. And he holds Holds the A license for us, so having his knowledge and his expertise um, on board was extremely helpful. And it, it, it's just we have an amazing team. It's a lot of fun day to day and what we accomplish, and looking back on what we've you know what we've done in the past thirteen years and what the future brings. So. Okay. Challenging at times, but definitely
1: worth it.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of the future, what do you see? How do you see the industry changing over the next 10 to 15 years?
1: I, I'll i go ahead and take that one for now. Um, you know, I, I think with the pandemic um, and what that has done for everybody that's been staying at home, working from home, um, I think we're going to have a lot of remote work sites, um, and mobile access, what we're going to see that continue to increase. Um, Along with that, residential remodels, we we are getting numerous calls for that just Mm -hmm. to create office spaces, um, whether it's for the adults or the children or or finishing basements, creating multi-use spaces. Um, We are also seeing a lot of, um, of the green building, and um, demands by home builders and renters um, that's becoming the norm with the green building and and certainly very important Um, along those same lines I would say the solar aspect um, I think new home technology I I think that there's I think that there's a lot uh, that that we're going to see change uh, coming up here in the next several years. Yeah.
2: And modular and prefab construction is also predicted to balloon. Um, By 2025, they're predicting actually 110 billion. So I think with the lack of the skilled labor and the increase in cost-cutting technology, um, the forecast is of great interest. And to builders, and I know we as a company are looking at doing, you know, single family homes as well, but the modular and prefab construction, I think we're, we're going to see more and more of it. Do
0: you guys get involved in your firm on the design side uh, of the actual plans design or working with the wall manufacturer on, on panelized walls in your multifamily type projects?
2: Somewhat to, to um, a lesser degree. We haven't quite yet. We work a lot more with the architects and okay. having their input and guidance.
0: Yep. The type of, uh, what kind of modular, if any, have you guys been involved in so far?
2: We actually, one of our subcontractors, it just completed a project up in, wasn't Vell, it was Eagle, I believe. And um, they brought in, I was just speaking to him about it this morning where his team actually did the framing, the lower level, it was a three-story, and the top was a prefab um, unit that they brought in and set just directly on top of the foundation and, and the frame. And so, starting to see more of what he's doing. I'm not going to mention his name because he's some, he's one of our secret sauce, if you will. Um, <laughs> but he is doing more and more, and we will start partnering with him on those projects.
0: So he he was a sub on a project where the the prime brought it brought in traditional subs traditional construction methods for the first couple of levels and then put a prefab unit on the top unit or top layer yes yes wow interesting i wonder if that was just did did they talk about the reasons why was that just a trial on the on the prefab they weren't confident enough to move forward with the whole building that way or to
2: be honest ben i'm not certain he was just mentioning mentioning it to us so it came together seamlessly although they did have some crane issues I think the first crane that they brought in wouldn't lift the the prefab unit. So they had to bring in a larger crane to set it in place. But once they got it on top, it it came together seamlessly. So I'm excited to drive up next week and take a look at it.
0: Yeah, that sounds neat. Very interesting. Um, Well, I'll ask uh, Laura first. What is the best piece of advice that you've received professionally?
1: Well, I think it's pretty... I think it's pretty simple um, It was just basically to tr- trust my design eye and, and the feeling that I get um, when designing or walking into a room and, and if it feels right
0: to go with it. How about you, Kimberly?
2: And I think I mentioned this earlier, Ben, my, my mother told me at a very young age That I was a go getter, and if I wanted something bad enough, I could accomplish it, and that just stuck with me throughout my life. And I actually um, share that same mindset with my two children. So I don't. I I think there. You know, you always question, can I do this? But I have to stop and remind myself: if you don't try, you you'll never know. So you, you know, you have to try. Take the risks. Yeah. And the reward is can be an amazing thing.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think that's so important that I, with, especially with kids, I mean, and even for adults, like we just, none of us can have too much confidence. I mean, I guess there's the point where some people get arrogant, but uh, you certainly don't, come off that way. Uh, but just that having the confidence to be able to go out and say, Hey, I'm going to do a big thing. I'm, I'm going to dream big and, and go chase it. So why not?
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: who have, have you learned from the most from throughout your careers?
2: For me, my parents, as well as my team, just day to day, we spend a lot of time together. It's like a marriage, you know, we're mm-hmm. together um, five, sometimes six, six days a week, eight to 10 hour days. And just learning from our team, we're constantly learning. Um, We have a lot of industry partners that, you know, you, you learn from, but I would say for myself, it would be my team. And looking back, my parents, I a
1: hundred percent agree with that, you know, and with having 16 or so people here at Spire, it's, it's nice to collaborate on, on designs and, you know, get different opinions on um, different feelings on the designs that we're doing. And so I, I think, I think that's a great answer, and I totally agree. Our
2: office atmosphere is very open and very collaborative, and we we all help. We all wear different hats throughout the day, and um, when we bring in new people, that's one of the questions they ask is how the teams interact, and um, I, I love the fact that we are all so comfortable with each other that we can walk across the hall and say, hey, what do you think about this? and and willing to help each other as needed. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: How, how often do you find yourselves disagreeing with a team member on a design choice or even just whether it's a small thing or like an overall design concept where you there's conflict and, and you gotta kind of sort through that?
1: I think that I there's think probably we really have conflicts. Um, no, I wouldn't say conflict. But I, I think you know everybody has their own vision of mm-hmm. of the design, and there might be a piece here or there that um, you know to relook at. But as far as a as an overall concept, we have a very strong team of designers uh, and construction managers, and I think that um, I think everybody's got a great talent. So you yeah, know, definitely not a conflict, but. Um, certainly, we we tweak here and there, and um, but that's what creates the one the great designs that we do. I
2: yeah. I will add to that, Ben, though that there there have been times, and I'm going to kind of laugh at this, where as a design as a design firm on our design division, we sometimes take it into left field and we raise the bar and we start, our creative juices start flowing and we wanna do something unique and different for every client, right? It's custom, it's fun. And then Jason or Todd or Ashlyn will come back and say, well, wait a minute, let's think about this. This is not going to work because of X, Y, Z. So the construction side, will realize in so to speak and say Uh not really feasible (laughs) not within the budget looks great but let's think about doing it scale it down so they they from time to time do have to realize back in to the reality um because sometimes our we just you know we just start designing things that are off the chart. <laughs> that is true.
0: So, can you give me some examples of some of those kind of more wild and crazy things you, you guys have come up with? that said eh, maybe that's not really feasible. Oh
2: gosh, I knew you were going to ask that
1: specifically. <laughs> I don't know whether whether maybe it's a a detail, a wall um, application of some sort, but maybe maybe there's a better way to. Um, we hadn't thought about the assembly of it, I guess, if that makes any
0: sense. Yeah. Well, we had, I had an idea several years ago to do uh, indoor waterfalls. And the, my idea was waterfalls on, on either side of an electric fireplace or a fireplace in the middle and then two two waterfalls. And and we worked it out and we kind of made it work and then it had a leak and we had to go back and fix it and kind of made it work. And, but uh, I don't know, it's something I would love to keep playing with going forward and figure out how to actually really make it feasible and work the way that I envisioned it in my mind.
2: Don't let it go. Keep, keep going back at it. You'll figure it out. Yeah. When somebody tells me, no, you can't do that. I want
1: to do it even
2: more, right? That's
0: yep. (laughs) Well, and that's interesting
1: because I think, um, some of the home builders and, and landscape plans and things that you see now are really incorporating fire and water. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's actually something very cool. And I, I agree. Don't give up on that.
0: Yeah. Well, we need to keep playing with it and, and figure it out. But uh, I don't, do you guys have any, any crazy things you've come up with like that that are um, that you've either been able to make it work or or said, nah, that's too, too crazy. We're not going to do that.
2: We, we haven't yet because of budgets. We actually are in the process of building a custom home for one of our big clients, um, and it's about seven thousand square feet. So we have some ideas. Huh. I don't want to share it yet because they don't know themselves. But we we have um, some really great ideas for their home. Cool. yes.
0: Well, that'd be that'd be fun to hear and and uh, learn about those later once you're able to share them and and either get them approved or not get them approved by the client.
2: But. Right, and a lot of it, of course, is budget driven. So sure. if the budget doesn't allow it, then you know, we come up with we'll more cost-effective ideas, <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. And I mean, people always say, well, what can you do? Can you do this? Sure, we can always do anything as long as you got enough money right. to make it. If you get enough money. We can do whatever you want.
1: Yes. Give well, and we might, of... I'm sorry.
0: As you said, we can give you, you know, any kind of cam... cantilevered over the edge of a cliff or whatever, you know, whatever, as long as there's enough money in the budget to make it work.
1: Sure. And I was going to say that, you know, sometimes just switching maybe the type of material or something like that that's used yeah. um, mm-hmm. becomes more cost effective. So, yeah.
0: Kimberly, I'll start with you. If you could go back to your very first day on on a job site as your, your first interior design gig, what uh, kind of advice would you give to yourself?
2: Oh, gosh. Um... To trust my instincts and to 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 go for to take chances and risks earlier on at a younger age i looking back i wish i would have done that at a younger age um, rather than the path that i took i mean there you know there's a reason i was i was with a firm for 21 years and i learned so much and you know but but i think back had i you know stayed at the firm for maybe five years and then took the risks at that time and started my own company what that would look like today so i I think that's one thing that i would have done differently having the confidence to be able to to step out and and do my own thing sooner
0: awesome how about you laura
1: as for me you know i would also agree with trusting trusting your instincts and and your gut feeling on on a design um, I think it's very important to be a, a great team player and, and colleague and be able to to work um, individually as well as collaborate on on designs. And I think probably the most important piece um, I would say is get to get excited and, and passionate about what you what you put out there. Yeah. And and just love what you do. That's
0: great. What what are your thoughts on you know people? trying to find what they're passionate about versus just saying you know what this is what I'm doing and I'm going to be passionate about it
1: can you ask that question again
0: do you feel like there's some kind of uh calling or or something that you're the one thing in life that you're truly passionate about or do you feel like you can just choose to be passionate about the thing you're doing right now
1: I don't that's a that's a tough question for an individual yeah I mean for me I kind of I really felt that design was just in my blood. It was something that I, I knew I wanted to do. And, um, and it's funny because my, my parents, I've had my friends, their parents even say, um, you know, gosh, you, Laura, it's so great to see you. And and we are not surprised that you went into design. It was just something that I, I just knew I wanted to do. And so I do think it's, it's I Um, you know,
2: passion (laughs) that the word that keeps resurfacing. I think that is key. For me, it certainly has been I have a lot of family and friends that say, you work too much. Why do you work so much? Because I'm so passionate about what I do. And it's exciting. It's like a hobby, only I get paid for it. And I get to surround myself with wonderful clients and an amazing team. And that's, you know, I enjoy it. I'm very, very passionate about it. And um, so I think that's, that's key is that if you really enjoy something and if you have that passion to drive you, especially during the challenging times, you know, you just keep that close to your heart and, and it'll take you far.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, both of you for taking the time to share your story with me. And, and uh, I appreciate hearing all of your, your great stories and and adventures in design from Hawaii to New York.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Ben. It was a pleasure being here with you as well.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope that you've learned something from our guests today. The Ben Beard Show is sponsored by Redcliffe Homes. The purpose of this podcast is to help young professionals find mentors in this crazy construction industry that we're in. If you have a story to tell about your road to a successful career in construction, I'd love to hear it. Please like and subscribe to the podcast to hear from all of our amazing guests. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at The Ben Beard Show.